From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast. So glad you could join us. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or Spotify, and that way you get the new episodes every time they drop. Uh, we have a lot to talk about over the course of the offseason. One of the bits of Jaguars-related news, of course, is that for the third time, Tony Baselli is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Last year, Baselli, we think, was in the top 10. He's been in the top 15. He's in the final 15 again this year. And uh, who better to talk to and with and about Tony Baselli? Then Mark Brunel, uh, we had the opportunity to sit down with Tony at the stadium and discuss sort of, sort of a nuts to bolts kind of beginning to end of his journey. And a guy who was with him for so much of his pro career, the uh, important years anyway here in Jacksonville, years in Houston, not so much a factor, but. Uh, and uh, for so long, of course, Baselli as the left tackle and Brunel as the quarterback really uh, linked not only because of their play, but also because of their friendship. So we had Mark sit down with Tony for about half an hour and talk about uh, so many things that impacted uh, Tony's run into being the Jaguars' first ever draft pick and being an all-pro and now, once again, being a Pro Football Hall of Famer. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy Mark Brunel's conversation with Tony Baselli as Baselli awaits the opportunity to perhaps... Get the invitation to camp. Uh, we're going back. We're going back. Um, when did it become football for you? You're athletic. You played a lot of sports. What was it about the like game? Like when I was little, little. Like yeah, how I far told you back we're going to go. Was, was it like the middle school, high school? Uh, when did football become your your first love? I think as long as I can remember. I mean, I think when I was. Uh, Eight or nine, my dad lied how old I was, so I'd go play Pop Warner back at the park. That's and then, a good yeah, line. yeah, because yeah, I, I had one more year and I had begged him to go play tackle football, and so I was big. And then uh, I had to play with all the older kids, so I got my rear end kicked for the entire. But it was probably good for you. Ah, I guess, I, I, but it was fun. And then I uh, went to football camp when I was nine away for like three or four nights by myself. And from that on, football was my favorite sport. When did you know you want to play college football? Um, you know, no one in my family played, like, everyone played high school football, and that was it. Um, I think maybe some, I had cousins who played really, really small, like, Division 15 football. <laughs> There's such a thing. Uh, it, but, so it was never, I just liked playing. I mean, my dream, actually, when I was to play for Fairview High School, Sam Pagano. He was a legendary coach, had won state championships. Is that and, Chuck's dad? Yeah, it's Chuck and John's dad. Uh, NFL coaches. So that, like, I didn't think, when I was growing up, it wasn't like, oh, I want to go play college football. Um, it was I wanted to go play high school. Like I wanted to play in high school. That's what my cousins did. That's what all the older guys did. And I was a water boy when I was little. So the fact to be able to play Friday nights was like a huge deal for me. So were you surprised when you started getting some attention from colleges, or um, when did that moment happen when you knew that you yeah. had a chance to play? I think uh, well, my sophomore year, I didn't even make varsity. All my friends made varsity. I was so I, I made the sophomore team. Which you're is weighing like, 155, which is like too. all you can make. Like if you're a sophomore, there's like you can't make any lower team. Uh, and I was literally the water boy for the varsity. 
So your I sophomore played, year. Sophomore year, I was the water boy. Really? I played sophomore football on like Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, whatever night it was. And then uh, Friday nights, I'd be the water boy. All my friends would like suit up and I would be served water. So you get to USC, you get to USC. Um, when was the moment where you thought you could play in the pros? Did it um, happen early? You, well, let's you, go back to high school because it was, it was my junior year. I came back and I worked really hard and I was like, I was just played offense. And I was pretty good. And all of a sudden I started getting these letters and I was like, like letters. Like I remember, I think it was like Purdue. It was like the first letter. I was like, holy cow, Purdue. And, uh, and, that, and I went to like a junior day at Colorado and people were like, yeah, you can play. So that's when like the college thing became real in junior and then um i wasn't the biggest recruit uh your alma mater decided to tell me that i was allowed to walk on i uh, thank you for uh, yeah. inviting me to walk on at washington that would be the university of washington yes yeah. university of washington the good scouting department yeah, you guys really handled it well <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was the huskies and the ducks both said you can walk on i'm like and you can you know what right um so uh then i got to sc and it was probably before, it was interesting. Before I got to SC, I went there my senior year in high school for spring break. Me and a buddy went out and uh, was, went to my cousin, see my cousin, and we went to USC just spring ball. And I remember sitting at spring practice, and John Matsko, who's now the offensive line coach at uh, Carolina Panthers, he was, he was the offensive line coach there. And I remember I was sitting behind, they were doing team drill, and uh, the second group was in, and the left tackle kept on messing them. And he yelled this kid's name, he says, hey, I won't say his name on there. Um, so-and-so, he says, you see that kid back there in the leather jacket? And I started looking around, <laughs> and I looked down, I got the leather jacket on. And, uh, and, he, and he goes, he's going to take your job the first day he's here. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was, like, planning the red, you know, just hang out. Right. First day I got there, morning practice, I was uh, on scout team. Second, uh, second practice, back then we actually did two-a-days. I know it's against the rules now. Oh, yeah. Um, I was on the second team. I was backed up. Pat Harlow was the first-round draft pick that year. And uh, and I remember going against guys, and then they'd go play in the games. I'm like, I actually can do this. Like, I didn't know I was going to be, you know, a first-round draft pick or anything, but I can play. And then my fresh, my redshirt freshman year when I started for the first time, because I, I backed up the whole year, never got in. And went through the year, had a good year. Played you guys. I remember playing Steve Etman, who was going to be the first overall pick in the draft, University of Washington. And at the end of the year, I got a phone call. At the very end of the year, I get a phone call. I'm like, hey, you made first team all pack 10 back then. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then also like, I got like all American and all this stuff. And I was like, maybe I'm actually pretty good at this thing. <laughs> I can block people pretty well. And so that's when I probably really understood that I have a chance. I have a chance to play at the next level. When was that moment for you in the pros when you thought, you know what? I'm a first-round pick, but I can be good. I can make it. Um, you know, it was interesting because one of my big fears was I didn't want to be that guy, the bust, you know, second overall pick. And, uh, you know, you'd heard, you know, I think when you're, at least for me, it was top pick, and you always hear the stories like, the, who the bust? The like Tony, Tony Mandarich. And I was like, man, I do not want to be that guy. And so I remember getting here, and the first OTAs, we were out there practicing, and uh, I was going against Logman, and I'm like, okay, I can, you know, you know, not bad, no big deal. All right, and, make sure we air that. Okay. Yeah, I play Logman. I'm like, <laughs> him? That guy? He's, no, he's easy, easy. Nine-year vet. Yeah, he's a cake. He, he's this. a cake. This guy, he has no chance. Um, but then I got hurt during training camp, and so I missed all of training camp, all of preseason, 
in the first couple games. And I was like, man. And I remember we were playing Green Bay here Sunday night. Um, it was like the third or fourth game of the year. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and I remember, so I practiced for the first time that week after I had my knee scoped. And Tom goes, well, you're not going to start. We're going to start Novak, and you're going to come in the second series or third series. So I'm like, all right. And, but the whole week's I'm watching, and they had Reggie White. And I was so thankful he only stayed on the other side. <laughs> and, and I had Sean Jones, who was a 110-sack guy. I mean, Pro Bowl player. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this could get really ugly. I mean, this could be bad. I was I mean, thinking the same thing, yeah, actually. Yeah, you were out there. You are the quarterback. I'm like, this is going to be terrible. And uh, I remember jogging out there. And, you know, first pick of the franchise, so they announced it. And everyone's cheering. I'm like, oh, great. They're going to actually be watching. This no play. pressure. Like, they're going to actually watch the tackle. Like, usually, like, watch Brunel. See what he's doing. No, don't watch yeah. Brunel. And, uh, and I remember going out there, and I blocked him the first series. And we went three and out because we went three and out the entire first half. We didn't get a first down. And I blocked him. And I'm like, I can do this. Mm. And it was funny. Like, after a series, I'm like, I can play this game. I can play at this level. And I never really doubted it after that moment. Was there a moment where uh, there's one thing to play at this level? There's another thing to be really good. Was there a was there a moment or a game or a season that you're like, you know what, you know, uh, you know, I could th- be really good through my this. rookie year. I remember like because you start watching tape and you're watching other tackles. Yeah. And I was watching other guys who made the Pro Bowl, and I was like, I can, I'm doing just as good as they are. And so I think through the rookie year, I'm like, I got a chance to play. I could be pretty good at this based on what I see other people doing. And then obviously everyone talks about the year two when we went up to Buffalo. And I had a good year up to that point, was the, the alternate in the Pro Bowl and all that kind of good stuff. And, and then I think really where I understood, like, I could really play at a super high level um, is when, you know, that Buffalo, that Buffalo game. We all did. We went out there. I think all of us went out in that game. We're like, we're just happy to be here at some level. We really don't know what we're getting into. And I definitely was not very uh, excited about the opportunity to walk Bruce Smith by myself. And I remember the whole week. I remember the whole week I'm watching tape, and he's defensive player of the year that year. And we have no game plan. Like, we go through the offensive means. I'm waiting for Kevin Gilbride or Mazur to say, okay, we're going to slide to him. We're going to chip him. We're going to double hit this guy. We're going to run at him. We're going to do all these things. And I remember sitting in meetings going, yeah, nothing. Nope. And we got to practice, and there's, like, no one talking about it. And I wanted to raise my hand, like, hey, um, you know he's really good, <laughs> and nobody's blocked him yet. And, uh, and nothing happens, nothing happens. And I remember Mays comes to me Friday. He goes, what do you think? I'm like, what do you mean, what do I think? I'm like, I, I have no idea I'm going to block him. But I'll, I'm going to go just, I'll try my best. And he's like, all right. Like, that's it? That's it? All right? And I remember, so Saturday night, we have our team meetings. I mean, and we're sitting there, and Gilbright goes through the plays and all the things and, you know, a little pep talk. At the very end, he goes, hey, and uh, we know Tony has a tough matchup today. Bruce Smith, really good player. He says, oh, hey, Natron, on your way out, maybe take a look and chip if you get a chance. (laughs) And I'm thinking, that's the game plan. No tight ends, (laughs) no no sliding. No sliding, not like we're going to make sure – Double. I mean, so it's all on you. In the first play, you know, I remember we get in the game, so I'm nervous. They're calling me names, and you're going to be Bruce Smith's, you know, adjective, whatever you want to add there. And, and so first, I remember, I can remember the first series. We go out there, um, incomplete pass. Uh, actually, we didn't even throw it. We went run, stuff, hold. Run, stuff, like hold. Screen, nothing. Third and like 15. Something crazy like that. And I'm hoping maybe he'll call, I'm like, call 62, because at least the back comes to my side. Right. 
I'm like, please call 62. Or our protect, call draw. Our, pr- our protection. Yeah, our protection, passwords. Or call yeah. like 41 gut. Like something where like I can't really <laughs> screw it up. Or like 90 <laughs> quick game, like where you can like get a little aggressive. Yeah, third and 15, 90 quick game, probably not going to happen. I didn't care if we got a first down, by the way. I didn't care about you. I didn't care about the team. I didn't care about uh, anybody else. I care only about the whole country watching. That's it. And we called uh, 70, 72. So that's the back goes away. Right. We double the three technique, and Tony, you're by yourself. Yeah. Uh, and it's a seven-step drop, and Mark's gonna be at 10 or 11 yards. Oh, perfect. And when I'm like, this is gonna be either really good or really bad. And much like the first game I ever played, I blocked them. And so all of a sudden, confidence. I'm like, okay, I can do this. And we play the game, and it kind of goes from there. So I think there's always moments in any athlete's life, whether when you're really little, I can think back playing against older kids, and I could do it, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, because I played everything or college or high school or in the NFL. We all have those moments where all of a sudden you're like, okay, that I, was your I, moment. I, I can play. And I had several throughout the thing. I mean, the first game ever, um, going through different situations and uh, where you kind of get confident. You told me once that it wasn't the, the big name guys that were always the toughest. Sometimes it was yeah. the no-name guys, the guys with motors, the guys that didn't have any expectations. Were, those like, guys were yeah, equally I tough, didn't, I didn't weren't like they? Play, I, like the, I like playing the big, the big matchups better because then you went out and you just played. And it was, it was tough. And everyone expected a back and forth. And I usually played better um, in those situations for other reasons. I didn't like when, like, the guy was no-name. And if he, like, got a like yeah. an assist, it's like, what's wrong with Tony? I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? He's pretty good. <laughs> so I'd always – which actually probably helped me a lot of times because I'd even play with more. I always, and I don't know if that was my internal like mechanism to get me to have play with an edge or to be nervous because I was I was so nervous for every game, and I literally I could be playing Bruce Smith or Derek Thomas or Michael McCrary. I mean, all these guys were Jason all pro. Taylor, Jason Taylor, and I'd be so nervous. Like I was nervous every game I ever played, or I could be playing the guy who just got signed off the practice squad that nobody knew. And all week, everyone's saying, oh, you're going to kill him and it's going to be an easy game. I'd be just as nervous because I would think if he even gets off the line of scrimmage, that's a, I can't let it happen. So I would go in with these expectations that no one else had. And sometimes it made it not very fun. <laughs> sometimes it's like, wait a second, enjoy the moment a little bit. When people say you were one of the best to ever play the position, what does that mean to you? Um, I mean, it's, listen, it's humbling. Um, it's it's a huge honor. I mean, I don't even know how to respond when you hear that. You know, and I, you know, I, I remember uh, Anthony Munoz, who's a guy who I think is the best to ever play the game. There's no one who's played at a higher level, in my opinion. There's a lot of been close, and maybe equal. And I remember he said that, you know, Tony's the best I ever saw. And I was like, Anthony, did you watch film? <laughs> because I watched you. And so you hear guys like that say it, or coaches, or other players. And it's very humbling because there's so much. I mean, you know this. You played a long time. Hell, you played, what, 100 years. And so you played with a lot of great players. And, and so you know what it's like and what it means, and you see great players. And so um, it's almost not real. It doesn't feel real because I have such a respect for the, the other guys who played this game. What? Um, um, that's really good. That's really good. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Okay. So, um, there have been roughly 20,000, there are 20,000 football players that have played in the NFL. There's just over 300 that are in the Hall of Fame. What would that mean to you? Um, 
it's 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 again it's almost overwhelming thinking about it and so i try not to because it's not there yet you know um you, i made the finals again this year and i had a lot of people including you hey congratulations and good job and and one of our good friends who we play with novak called me he says oh, <laughs> doesn't mean anything until you make it. Top 15, who cares? Who cares? Let me know when you get there. And, uh, and it made me chuckle because um, it's a huge argument in the finals, but it's, at some, it's right. It doesn't really matter unless you get there. And so I'm not there, and, and you've been around me the last couple of years at the Super Bowl mm -hmm. when I found out I didn't make it. And, and, it's, and it's funny. Because everyone says, well, it's an honor to be 15. I and mean, it is. But all I can explain, the only way I can explain it is you're excited to be there, but then all of a sudden you go from being, yeah, you're one of the greatest players, look at your finalist, to someone calling you and saying you're not good enough. I mean, literally, they call you and like, you're not good enough for this group. And it's like, and so because of that, I try to, uh, I think, the protection, to protect myself not to go there too much. I, I find myself daydreaming sometimes thinking about it. And it's just not productive. So that day, that day this year is February second. Yep. What is? What are you thinking the day you wake up? What's that day yeah. like? Um, the emotions. Just are you nervous? Are you yes. just want it over with? Are yes. You just, it's yes. a long day. I've and been yes. in that hotel room. Been with me. That yes, day. it's not good. Um, the good news is that week I'm working all week with Westwood One, yeah. so I'm doing radio all week, and I'm busy. And you go to Radio Row, and you've done it. You've gone through the whole deal. And so we'll go out at night, you go to events, and you have appearances, and you have all these different things. So that's great. And so, but Saturday morning will come, and I'll be miserable. And I'll be looking to do something. I'll try to I'll call you, let's go to lunch, you know, I'll <laughs> stay like, occupied. Can we do something, you know, I'll tell my wife, Angie, get away from me, go take the kids. <laughs> go so to, Angie gets to leave, and I get to stick yes, around. You yes! Have to, you have to stay. Yes! You get, you get the, uh, pain, be, the, the painful day of being around me. <laughs> right. Because all my kids are coming this year because it's in Atlanta, so right. they're all driving. So I'm like, listen, all you guys leave me alone. And then it'll be okay until about 3.30. Yeah. Now, specifically, they say, yeah. hey, if the phone ring, tell, tell us about so, yeah, yes so, and no on that. So all of a sudden, all day, they're in a room all day. And so you, you don't hear anything. About 3.30, you start hearing like, oh, it's about to wrap up. And, and so that means now, that. Is that, a, is that a text? Is it, well, is it like on? I follow Twitter. So it's oh, like. it's on Twitter. <laughs> yes. okay. Okay. They're not telling me anything. Okay, they're like, right. hey, I've heard. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like everybody else. I'm looking at Twitter. And, uh, and I'm sitting in the room, and I'm trying to like watch a movie or talk to somebody. And, and then they tell you around 3.30, 4 o'clock, really, make sure you're in the room. Because any point from 4 on, they could either call you which is a bad thing, or knock on the door. So if they call you, it's to tell you you didn't make it. You're not a finalist. Better luck next year. Get dressed and come down to the honor show. Just take the, the, the phone off oh, the hook or something. Brutal. <laughs> and now I know I know the area code of Canton, Ohio. So uh, the people calling. So, I, so they're calling yourself. Two they're years in a row I saw it. I'm like, ugh. And, oh, uh, Tony. And then if you get a knock on the door uh, by David Baker, the uh, chairman or the CEO yeah, of sure. the Hall of Fame, then you're in. Now, will you have your? I have not got the phone knock on the door yet. <laughs> this year, will you have your family in around there, or, or I mean? Yeah, you, they'll be. Yeah, they'll yeah. come. Because you don't want them in there because they have yeah. a camera, right? Yeah. So you want them in there, and you want them to be a part of it, and then you don't want them to be there, yeah. and you don't want them a part of it, because you know it goes from. It's like, 
you're sitting on pins and needles. And I can't, and again, it's like, it's a first world problem. Listen, I, I get it, it's the Hall of Fame. Sure. And so it's a huge honor, but it's the way it makes me feel at least is like someone calling saying you're not good enough. Like you got like kicked, like you're like you're off the team. Like see, <laughs> you don't get invited. You're not good enough for this group. You level. are second class. It's just not. Then it's that's well, what it's it feels eventually. like. Eventually, it's just not you know yeah. at that moment no, maybe. No but guarantees. That's what it feels. Is like. there a part of you? Listen, I. Everyone would say you're going to get in eventually. Do you just want it over with? Do you just yeah, want to get in uh, and yeah. say you have to deal with this every year? Well, yeah, yeah, I yeah. do. Because, one, it's a huge, it'll be a huge honor. And the funny thing is, I actually didn't think about it much until I became a finalist. Like, for years, I was like a semifinalist. I didn't even get there. And I was like, oh, whatever. And you'd forget about it. And then they announce it. And, okay, great. Now that I'm a finalist, it's like, oh, gosh, it's like nerve wracking. And you just like because they have events all week. So, you, I mean, Thursday night you go to this cocktail party with all the other finalists and other Hall of Famers are there. And then they have a big luncheon with all the Hall of Famers. You're at that. You get introduced. And so it's like this whole like you're like kind of part of it, but you're not really. I mean, so what will it mean to you? Um, It'll be your greatest football honor. You uh, know, what? individual. Yeah. But my favorite thing about playing the game was competing in the locker room. Like, I loved, like, no one liked practice and no one liked all that stuff. Especially, you know, getting yelled at or meetings or Tom. No, I mean, none of like that. And anyone who says they did is crazy. I mean, you did it because you loved playing out here. And I love the locker room. I love the guys and being around it. And uh, I think, and being a part of it. So that's, I mean, that, I, that's why I love the game. But as far as individually, yeah, I mean, it's the biggest honor I think you can have as a player. And so to have that happen, it would be special. Um, it would mean a lot to me for this organization because I think um, being a part of the organization, being the first pick, um, be able to represent it in the Hall of Fame, I think it would mean a lot for I mean, like the teammates I played with. Absolutely. I mean, I'd want them all there and it's be a part of it. something we'd all get to share. Yeah, I mean, that, so that, that's the cool part for me. I mean, now, listen, and individually, I'd rub it in your face all the time and make sure you understand that I am the Hall of Famer of this thing. Make sure you, <laughs> well, you address know, me properly. You know what? That leads me to my next question. You're already a handful. Yeah, I'll, I'll be Once a you get in, how does, how does life change for Tony Baselli once you get in? I think the average person seeing me, not at all. For people who are close to me, it's going to be really not good. Like we're, for you, you. We're not going to hear the end of no, it, are you? Like for you, my poor wife. Um, just anyone. Like, so when we go to lunch, there's a good chance you'll be wearing that, that jacket. Oh, gold jacket. Like we go just to dinner. Everywhere. Yeah, when we go out to dinner, I'll be wearing the jacket. Okay. Yeah. When I go on the, you know, on the team trips, you have to wear a coat and tie. I'm gonna wear the jacket. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I won't, but it'd be good. I'm good at one time, just once. One time. Just maybe a lot. <laughs> what will change? Um, probably not a lot individually. I mean, yes. I mean, you're all of a sudden you're Hall of Famer forever. Sure. Like I remember you go to those signings and. I'll be with, again, Anthony Munoz, or something. He's saying Anthony Munoz, HOF. Yeah. I'm saying, signing Tony Baselli, 71. <laughs> that's that's going to change. That's going to change. That's going to change. So it'll be Tony Baselli if I H-O-F. make it. HOF. I mean, so that. And, that's awesome. You know, so that'll be cool. And I think there'll be a, there'll be a personal uh, pride, I guess, satisfaction. Sure. I mean, I don't know. but And I was thinking about this. Uh, I've, been, I've thought about it a little bit. I try not to. But you know the biggest thing, when I think back about my career and everything else, is all the people I'm thankful for. I mean, I've had, I mean, I think back, I've been so fortunate. I mean, all the way back, great parents. I mean, a dad to lie for me, to get into, I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, I I like that. Um, I had a great high school coach. 
Um, great college. I mean, I had John Matsko and Mike Berry, two of the best offensive line coaches I've ever played for. Taught me. I didn't know how to pass block, and that's what I was known for. They taught me how to pass block. Um, you know, come in here. I mean, I was fortunate. Mike Mazur was a really good coach, helped me, wasn't overbearing, worked with me, what I like to do. Maybe not overbearing with you yeah, specifically. But, okay, let's, not say, let's not he, say. No, he was he overbearing. Was, there you go. He was so overbearing. I mean, as far as <laughs> but my technique, he let me kind of like. All he, right, good. He, fair he, enough. Yeah. <laughs> but I just look, I mean, so I think about the friends I've had, the relationships that have helped me get to where I, you know, I mean, so that's what I'm so thankful for. That's and, the cool part. So the cool part for me, is if I get there, and I don't even like talking about it, but if I get there, I will want to call all the people that meant a lot to me and let them know that they are a part of this and thank them That's for letting cool. me get there. Have you and uh, Coach Coffin had conversations about it in previous years? No, he... you know, again. Because I know people have called him, yeah. asked his opinion, of he course. He better say and, the right thing, otherwise uh, I, I got and something you know for he, And you know <laughs> no, he would. Joking, you know yeah. he would. He, uh, I mean, he's always been very, you know, it's funny. Tom has rarely said nice things to me personally <laughs> rarely can you qualify that a little bit no I, when, I, when I say like he like flat like football football stuff. football oh, he's always he's so good to my wife and kids and family I mean, he's always, much better with them than oh, you way better than, I mean I, so that's our like, coach he's never though I remember that after the first game I explained playing against Green Bay I was really excited we got killed and again but I was like I, I, I can play and he walked up to me and he said, um, how do you think you did? And I was smart enough not to say I thought I did pretty good because I, I graded up pretty good. And I said, okay. And he says, looked at me, goes, that doesn't mean anything. And walked away. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean that doesn't mean anything? That means something. And I would hear throughout my career people say, oh, T Coach Coffin says so many nice things about you. I'm like, he's never really said anything nice to me. Yeah. And that's okay because I know he said other things and sure. what he said to other people. And I think at some point, if I do make it, I'm sure we'll sit down and have a, sure. a good conversation. But I'm thankful to him. I mean, he was a tough guy to play for. Um, it wasn't always fun. But, you know, I, he, you know, I wish we could have won a Super Bowl here. It would have been the ultimate thing to do as a team. But, you know, I'm he's one of the people I'm thankful for. Once you get in, your speech. Have you thought about that? Have you, have you gone past it? Um, right, let, me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So every year there are new inductees. Yep. Uh, in Kent, will you be a part of those? Will you stay involved? Different events, Hall of Fame events throughout oh, the country. So. And yeah, just... I think I will. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty dang special. It's only a handful of people. It's like <laughs> you know, just over what, 318. Yeah, like there's been, the history. There's been thousands. And of unfortunately, some of those guys aren't even alive anymore, so it's even a smaller group. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it's like a very yeah. like living. Like, it's the greatest who ever played the game. I've been around those guys because I go to Hall of Fame yeah. every year. And it really is, it is a brotherhood. It's a special group. We talk about the NFL, former players. We're sure. a brotherhood. We're together. Yeah. This is very exclusive. Uh, it's obviously, pretty cool. I'm not in it. But I've, like, being around it, like, even, like, the, the luncheons, you, like. All these guys are wearing their jackets. Like they're all there. And I'm, like, I'm there, but I'm not really a part of it. Like, they have yeah. their, even guys that, like, I knew and played with. It's there's a difference, and uh, so I'll be involved. Um, I haven't thought about the speech. Yeah, I mean, we'll go that far. No, I mean the only thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna thank people. And my if I ever if I get the opportunity, I'm not gonna go the hour that some of no, our don't do that. Brethren it's go. so annoying. Um, <laughs> but I haven't thought too much of it. Have you thought perhaps about who's gonna do your introduction <laughs> speech? I knew that because, was you know, Really, there are you know, there are was, some you know, you know there. Just let me give, let me help you a little bit because you're gonna want somebody like, that's. 
know. You know, don't interrupt me. You're going to watch somebody that's very recognizable, that's okay. experienced in <laughs> public <laughs> speaking. Hold on, I'm not done. <laughs> recognizable on a national level. Um, you know, because you could do coaches. Yeah. And you could do family. Family would be good. Former players. Former players. You know, someone that is comfortable, you know, giving a speech. Maybe someone that had a lot to do with you getting to the yeah, Hall of Fame. absolutely. I, I don't know who that would be, you know, no, but maybe. You know, just throwing it out there, you know, just you know, something to think about. Yeah, you maybe know, Fred, Fred. Fred Taylor. Fred would be great. <laughs> Fred would be great. Listen, I, I really don't have a problem. All I would say is, is if, if uh, Steve Berline or Rob Johnson, <laughs> Rob Johnson give the speech, I'm going to have a problem. <laughs> Anybody but those, you know, any other quarterbacks that, that were this. on the field with you? I, 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 I say, no, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'll say this. Just think big. Think you big. will be one of the first people to know. My wife, you, and maybe parents will be okay, one of the yeah. first people to know. Okay. Let me ask you this. You find out yeah. on February 2nd. 405, yeah. knock on the door. Yeah. Okay. If your family's five, yeah. closer to yeah. five, family's not in there. Who's the first person you're going to let know? Um, so the family will be there. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You somehow end up at dinner every Saturday night with I'll be me, there. and you'll be there again. I'm bringing Stacy this year, too. Stacey We're going to celebrate there. with you. So, uh, I mean, you'll be one of the first people to know. I mean, no, no seriously. No, 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 no. I want not one of the first, because the no, right but, thing to do is tell, say to Angie, but we know the truth. I mean, really, you're going to let me know first, right? So I could tweet yeah, as it. long as you don't tell her. Yeah. Well, and now that I mean, now that's that, what I'm looking for. That's the truth I'm looking for. Now that you have my word. I won't tell her. Now that you're in the media too, I want to make sure you get some more oh, likes. Oh, that's true. You could be like, you could break it. There you go. Actually, you know what? I'll have a camera following David Baker and his camera, and we'll be in there with you. You no, can break. You can, you can break. You can beat all the ESPN there and the Fox guys. Yes. You can break it first. Launch my my launch career your, yeah, in, in journalism. That's what I know. One of your main goals is to be an NFL insider. Yeah, that's me. That's me. Because I love doing this. <laughs>I mean, there's nobody else who could have asked and gotten those kind of answers from Tony than Mark Brunell. Those guys are so close. And uh, Mark will be there uh, in Atlanta, hoping that Tony will get the call, get that knock on the door, and uh, receive the invitation to Canton. It could happen this year. Of course, if he does, we'll be there as well to bring you his reaction on Channel 4. Once again, a reminder to subscribe to Teal the Podcast. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. And as always, you can find Heal the Podcast on newsforjacks.com. For Mark Burnell and Tony Baselli, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Heal the Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.